Welcome to Innovating Music, a podcast from the UCLA Herb Alpert School of Music and the UCLA Center for Music Innovation. I'm your host, Dr. Gigi Johnson. I am very excited to share with you the treat of talking with Rafik Anadol. Rafik is a media artist who does work ranging from uh, reformatting a bridge with the data about water use in Los Angeles to reconfiguring in live concert the inside the Disney Concert Hall to working with neuroscientists on how our brain reacts to emotion. So enjoy this podcast of my talking over Skype with Rafiq about his work. You started telling me the what you're doing, but can you tell me what your role is now and a little bit of how you got there? Because you have such an unusual dimension and direction of your work. Thank you, thank you. Um, I'm 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 a media artist and uh, currently leading leading my own studio here in Los Angeles. Um, I started my journey as a as a designer uh, and started at Istanbul uh, in a in a in a very uh, anti-disciplinary, radical, really. Um, um, like experimental design, uh, design academic environment. How did you and end up later- there? Let's back up because I, I think what you're doing is so yeah special. How, Thank you. How Thank did you. you end up getting even in that direction in Istanbul? So I think the very first one was um, I was super interested in uh, personally learning multidisciplinary design approach. I was always looking for um, being in the more art and design side of thinking. And then uh, thanks to, I think, uh, high school direction, um, there was a very wonderful um, advisory team that have been, like, looking for um, who can do uh, what better than the other, like, jobs. Like, this kind of career days, uh-huh. uh, super simple, like, uh, feedback sessions. And then that's where I learned about this department called Visual Communication Design, which is simply exploring every possible medium that you can use for express any design approach. It can be code. It can be, like... a design tools, motion graphics, photography, videography, in any scale. And that's where I exposed to many mediums. And um, that's where I got this uh, kind of um, anti-disciplinary approach to many disciplines. And then that's where I just also got my MFA from the same department uh, as a design, a visual communication design in Master of Fine Arts. And later on, my journey completely changed to pursue something much innovative and much a discovery oriented that's why i ended at ucla so how how did that expand at ucla and then how did you end up looking at innovation because this podcast this discussion is largely yeah. looking at innovation and you don't you, you touch mm-hmm. music extensively in your work but your base is really in just space and visual and, and, and code in such a mm-hmm. multidisciplinary mm-hmm. innovative approach how did you mm-hmm. how did that shift when you got to ucla and what was innovation there yeah, I think the very first one was, again, the, this, this academic journey. And also, so I started my very first, um, let's say, public performances in, in Europe. There was a very wonderful um, group of festivals. They are like, let's say, small-scale festivals, but you have a chance to explore public space in a way that you can mix light, sound, visuals. It's like using public space as a cast was kind of the main motto of those um, Festivals. I was uh, to my um, undergraduate uh, senior project. It got a very well reaction from the curators and and those kind of organizations. That's how I kind of get into the idea of like using 
architecture as a canvas and light as a material. And that concept evolved in time into much larger performances, much, much let's say, complex uh, concepts. Um, but always my idea was, like, I, I was always, like, dreaming about, like, how the reality can be expanded through technology and how we can explore new alternative realities uh, and how to live without bias in our reality and how we can, as a humankind, how we are uh, witnessing this technology and, 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 and what does it mean for us. And those questions eventually led, led me to, like, explore more uh, innovative storytelling installations and, uh, and, 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 and many, many other things. I think those are, like, the very first insights of finding myself always inspired with even science fiction because it's so... <laughs> those are, like, for other reasons... I got kind of hooked up with this idea of innovating as much as possible. Before we get deeper into innovation, this is listening to an audio story about a very visual set of experiences that you tend to create. Can you give an example of, let's say, that senior project or other things that you've done? Yes. So, yeah. So the very first project I did was in, again, Istanbul in my actually school and used the school as a canvas. And there was a contemporary art center. It's a super simple cubicle building, literally the most simplest ever facade maybe you can see in the contemporary architecture. And it was my, it my I mean, I was, I was seeing this building every single day while coming and going from school. So that's why I just probably thought that, okay, that's maybe a canvas to start thinking. So I use projection technology and create a custom software that is perfectly aligns projection content on top of the architecture perfectly, like literally millimeter level perfection Using the 3D model of the building, I completely overlap physical and virtual worlds on top of each other. Um, and it was running as a performance, so it was like a four days installation. So every night you, you can go and experience this 15 minutes long performance with an, an electronically composed music. Um, so it was kind of seeing the building alive in a kind of a kinetic sculpture, let's say. Um, that's how I started to think space uh, and light and um, potentially technology to enhance each other. So the music other. <laughs> in that case was the same from night to night? Was the, was the interaction of the images different from night to night in that original? Yes, exactly. So the sound that is designed for the performance was completely the same, but the reaction of the performance was different every night. There's always different choreography, different speed, pace. It was a much more dynamic experience, so that it's changing like the city itself, like where it's surrounded itself. So, um, yes, it was a ever-changing um, content. And then the, one of the pieces that I know you possibly most for is your Disney Concert Hall project. Can you describe mm-hmm. that a little bit? Mm-hmm. Yes, so that project is actually very interestingly, as during my Master of Final Studies at UCLA, of course, when students start thinking about a very ambitious project, there's some limitations. First of all, I was a student, and I just arrived from Istanbul, and and my dream was really using a very meaningful canvas like Disney Hall, because first of all, I'm in love with Frank Gehry's, in general, philosophy, and um, I was also, like, super interested in what does it mean to have a cultural space in the city of Los Angeles and, and how we can take this building and turn it into a much more conscious. And maybe can we give a memory? Can we give a more cultural connection with the digital innovation? Those are, like, the biggest questions. Or most importantly, can we create a new storytelling by using the architecture as a canvas? So, luckily, uh, during my um, MFA studies, I was invited to Seattle, 
which where I met Microsoft Research um, directors. So every year they invite 10 schools and 10 ideas. And you have this eight minutes on the stage to explain your idea. And if this idea one uh, can be an award, it's a very uh, generous financial support to it. And also, most importantly, connecting you with the, all the computer scientists, engineers to innovate much faster. And that was, I think, one of the most interesting part of my academic journey because suddenly <laughs> I was exposed to Bill Gates and all these wonderful people and, and, and incredible engineers who have like genius minds who have been using tools in a different way. Uh, but as an MFA student, having this opportunity to collaborate with Microsoft Research, LA Phil, and then Frank Gehry, it was like really big. Um, these are really big coincidences that come together. I think this is a great colliding moment, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's what I have a chance to create a custom software for the project during my studies. And LA Phil project was a result of that MFA case study, mm-hmm. and at the end, um, LA Phil found this project meaningful for their. Um, a new concept, let's say, a new platforming series called Insight, which is basically explores these new territories of media art and music and innovative performing arts. And they found this project meaningful to kick off that series by using uh, Americ, um, what is this beautiful piece in collaboration with Esapeka Salonen. And thanks to his vision, because I think he was really looking for innovation more than ever, um, it was a wonderful collaboration um, so thanks to those institutions and the people <laughs> who involved, who believe in, in innovation, was the result of that that journey. I think. So you had mapped every one of those abundant facets of the inside of the hall, and then yeah. connected that to his movement with a connect. Yes, yes. So the idea was, I was always inspired by the body motion of the conductor. I think it's a beautiful invisible language between um, between the conductor and the in that case, 110 musicians. Um, I think there's an incredible, powerful um, uh, kind of a language that can be also be a part of the story. So that's wh- how I learned how to use um, his body motion as an input to the system. And so we simply create a custom software that completely tracks his every single hand gestures, including um, even head and, and body motions. And kind of we got a new clock system, <laughs> let's say, and he is the clock of the performance. He was leading the both music and also the visuals. So his speed, his gestures were defining what is playing next. So the performance was not the same again. It was performed for three nights, uh, three days. And it was never again the same because he was always in a millisecond difference. He had gestures. He had different reactions to the, to the, to the notation. And it was wonderful to experience his, his uniqueness in every day. And you've done quite a few similar projects all over the world since and before then, even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it's actually I, my very first performance in public space with the music was again 2009. And the last seven years, I was like again traveling around the world doing similar. But it's the first time I have a chance to be immersed in a space that is completely inside the building, and more than 2,000 people looking at it. But this was really the first time I have a chance to explore um, um, an immersive environment in that scale. So we've talked about innovation probably about five times already in our conversation. (laughs) When you say innovation, what do you mean by innovation? I think the first thing, if it's from from my point of view, definitely um, unasked questions, uncanny um, territories that I don't know how to do. 
I mean, it, it's just a very simple, I think, thought that if I know how to do that, I mostly don't start that because it's probably a boring project and you know how to do that. So that's not fun. And in general, I, I don't do projects if I know how to do. That's last probably five years. I'm following this rule internally. And um, it's so far very helpful. Yes, stressy for sure. But I mean, it's very rewarding. Um, and, and of course, there are so many fails. And But it's it's I think how how it it's it's becoming much more meaningful at the end because there's definitely discovered innovations since even I don't know how to do that. Um, so those are like a kind of hints that I put myself, I challenge myself, um, which uh, is risky again, but I think it's really the fun part of um, so it's thinking questions, different. <laughs> it's questions that you have not asked or that people in general have not asked or that it... Uh, both of them, I think. Sometimes I, I, I found answers from other people, but those answers are so ambiguous. They do not sometimes fit to the perfectly to the situation that mostly I am in. Um, so for each project, mostly they are site-specific. They are mostly uh, following some very unique um, rules and regulations. So I eventually had to um, think about, again, about the situation. Uh, while thinking about it, I mostly, again, challenging myself like well okay that's done that's it's there so how, how how we can take this to a different level that is not experienced before or like those kind of questions are really during the very first baby steps of thinking mm-hmm. um and and they mostly need into lead into a very challenging results like uh, um but i think i think this ambition is really the key to probably innovation otherwise um i don't i don't find any more meaningful connection personally um. Hmm. It's, it's an interesting point of view it's, it's very different than a lot of the other people we've talked to in the series they're looking at unsolved problems or more of a problem modality where you're looking in an interesting set of how do I combine things into a unique solution for the place-based yeah. engagement that I'm actually doing and learn at the same time yeah I, I think that's exactly the, the, the that's the journey I mean for example I'm super obsessed with the idea of embedding media arts into architecture in an intelligent way, in a culturally connected way. And that itself is just one large um, problem, actually, because architecture is a frozen form of experience. So it's, nature is designed for not to move or not to change. So the idea of putting something that ever changing, or like, let's say, a new project in San Francisco using a real-time data analysis of the entire city, and it's changing every single day. And that kind of concept, for example, is already pushing the boundaries of physical quality of life because, I mean, architects and engineers is using materials that <laughs> stays for years. And, like, so that kind of, like, a, it's, it's, hard, it's sort of hacking the material, hacking the reality, I can say, mm-hmm. um, because it's not designed for it. So it's so fun to <laughs> reinvent it. And it's, it's, yeah, it's a kind of, like, a mini... Um, Mini, mini mini game, I think. Not a mini game, pretty big game, but in a, in a way that, um, yeah, those are like probably the moments that makes much more fun to think um, when things are not designed for it. How about in working with other innovators? You've mentioned the books from Microsoft. You've mm-hmm. ma- mentioned mm-hmm. Frank Gehry, who is a tremendous innovator. Yes. Um, you've mentioned Esapak Solomon. Does their ways of innovating seem to be different than yours or mesh or bring new Com- complexity? I think it's definitely different because of discipline difference. For, for example, I mean, 
um, I, I was mostly uh, collaborating with uh, Dennis Sheldon from Gary Technologies, who is the CTO of um, uh, Gary, Gary's Gary Technologies. Mm-hmm. And for example, he was personally more involved in the idea of innovation because of the style of how um, Frank Gary's concepts are needs really advanced technology to be able to make it happen in the world. Mm-hmm. And versus like Esape and he is completely using different styles of composing. He is collaborating with Apple and he is already like pushing the boundaries of technology in sound and music. So, I mean, those are wonderful minds already, I think, inspired and interested in collaboration. For example, right now with LA Phil, we are just starting a very exciting project. So instead of doing a PhD, I thought that would be much interesting. Honestly, the PhD idea in probably in my position is a little bit um, limited because, I mean, sometimes, um, as you know, there are moments that are not fitting into the conventional way of thinking in academia. So, no, I would never and, know and that. I, no. um, I mean, I, I think, fortunately or unfortunately, this project is complete, like both can be a quanti- quantitative research or can be a qualitative research. And, and we are using tools that neuroscientists is using. We are using tools that are uh, maybe hacker is using in some. So like a very, very interesting thinking. So the idea is um, recording emotions in real time and, and turn them into a story. So I'm collaborating with UC, UCSF um, uh, professor uh, Adam Gesley, a neuroscientist running a Neuroscape, a wonderful neuroscience team um, creating incredible experiences for people and try to solve problems um, for, for neurology problems by using technology as a tool. Um, and they are helping me to learn how we can analyze brain activities while listening music and what is our reaction from our body such as a skin conductivity, heart rate, temperature, and how, I mean, it's a very ambitious project, but I think, again, like a Microsoft Research, UCLA, UCSF, LA Field, those like wonderful institutions are believing to innovate together. And um, I think I'm lucky in that I'm somehow lucky to be able to link those uh, people together to, to trust a kind of a feature that is different than today. Um, so those are probably the reasons those kind of ambitious collaborations always uh, becomes an issue <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> it's a very positive way. So from these unique uh, combinations of people and opportunity, are you seeing the these type of innovations propagating? Um, or is that kind of not your area of interest that you're wanting that, that, that unasked question to stay at that edge and how it then moves into other people using these ideas over time is less your focus? Uh, I mean, yes. I mean, honestly, um, again, most, pro- for example, if the, the last project I mentioned, the idea of measuring emotion, I mean, that that's something like a very ambitious project for not only me, for many people in the world mm-hmm. that have been researching last decades, mm-hmm. maybe more than a decade. So, but thanks to technology right now, we have a much more concrete um, numbers on our hands when we do a data-driven analysis. So we can talk about things much concrete than literally two years ago because of the custom software and all this computational power. Um, so, or hopefully by using machine learning and some artificial intelligence, we can talk, we, we can now teach machines and they can learn better than us. So in, in, in that world, when we know these facts, so thinking with tools and innovating becomes much more, I think, essential. Um, so and and luckily those those institutions are also looking for the same direction. Mm-hmm. So like those alignments are, I think, the, the the magic points. I don't know how 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 to really um, describe, but I think 
the question, I mean, maybe not the perfect answer, but I think alignments on that future belief, like those visions, um, yeah, that, that's kind of where the <laughs> energy and the probably uh, thinking goes. Um, and you're working, with, you s- you're working with folks yeah. who, though, are also very much thinking toward the edge and looking for those innovations as well. Yes, definitely. For example, another interesting project currently I'm I'm very um, excited to uh, share. I'm um, doing a residency with Google's Artist and Mission Intelligence. It's a wonderful group of people who have been helping artists who have uh, pretty advanced ideas that needs mission intelligence. Um, for example, um, I'm now re- 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 I'm trying to reinvent the idea of library. So there's a wonderful open source uh, free library in Istanbul called Salt Research. They have 1.7 million images in, in their library, digital images. So we trained a neural network, actual neural network, and this AI create a kind of a new space by using similarity of the images and create a kind of a big picture space. So it's hard to explain in a way that it's still under development, but the result will be an immersive room that you can explore the entire library by the eye of the AI. So, and there will be a sound of this archive because archive is full of sounds from the history of 17, 18, 19th century, sorry, 19 and, 18 and, so 19th and 20th century, first recordings from the streets of the city. So this, it's super interesting to reinvent the memory and culture through the lens of those um, yeah, excessive technology. So, wow, yeah. you're in such interesting, diverse directions. And a lot of them are, of course, not just music, but music is interwoven in many yes. of things. What is different about innovating with music than, than so working think, with other media that you work with? Yeah, I mean, I honestly, the, the music, it's, I mean, probably I'm a very big, like, uh, I mean, as, as a daydreamer, let's say, the music is always in the very, like, um, every step of life because I'm probably listening music of every single uh, available moment of my life not because of LA's car, car driven culture I seem I personally like spend hours of hours of time while deeply working on, on things so and and that's that's why I think first I'm I mean as, as a tool of thinking music is wonderful and later on, what I found more interesting is the storytelling with the music is completely allowing technology to be visible. So I will be so unhappy if I wasn't like, I will be so unhappy if I didn't figure out that how music can be uh, incredibly creative when you hear it different. And I think people are, uh, so far, what I learned from those experiences are people also looking for to hear the music in a way, not only synesthetically, but, but in a way that it moves a space that is performed inside itself. So those are like my currently biggest uh, inspirations. And also like oh, any project, for example, this library project, for example, I mean, using an historical um, sound recordings and, and using them in, in this virtual space, it's like composing with history and mnemonics and memories. It's just an incredible tool to tell the story much strongly and probably engage with the audience in a much perfect way. Um, so it's, it's an incredible, I think, collaboration. There's, 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 I don't know other way to explain the project without that recordings, for example, composing a new kind of a space, both sonically and visually. Um, so, 
this wouldn't be happen without music. So it's in the core of every thinking, I think, every project. <laughs> That's exciting. Uh, we're going to put as links to our website uh, that goes with the podcast, links to some of your work. Um, and so following you, hopefully our listeners will do as time goes on and finding your work in the wild. Are there maybe two or three other people or other um, projects or programs happening that are engaging with the type of work you're doing along with music that you are either intrigued by or excited about? Yes. So, for example, I'm very big fan of these public um, performances. For example, Signal Festival in Prague, in Czech, and uh, I'm a huge fan of Arts Electronica in Linz. So I have actually my very first performance in public space in a festival level was in an Arts Electronica. So actually in Arts Electronica, almost last 14 years, they are exploring um, this uh, idea of performing visual arts accompanying with the classical music in Bruckner House. Uh, so Vienna Philharmonie was sometimes uh, on board, sometimes Brickner House uh, Orchestra was um, there. So it was a beautiful uh, learning curve and incredible inspiration. Also, I'm a very big fan of um, uh, events like South by Southwest or uh, these radical um, uh, festivals that combines nowadays media art and music, like Day for Night Festival in Houston, for example. It was, a, I think, a phenomenal experience for people because... They were there for a simple maybe concert experience, but suddenly they were exposed by multiple artworks that are using art, music, and light together. And that was, I think, very inspirational environments. Um, I'm very fond of those, those um, different tinker festivals. I think they are, they are wonderful. Anything else? We've covered a lot of, uh, we've covered a short amount of ground considering all the ground you cover. But is there anything <laughs> else that we might want to talk about while we wrap up this conversation with this podcast? I think um, I'm, I'm really, really very looking forward to our, this uh, LA Field collaboration to really understand our emotions. I think we have something very, very fundamental and also can be very um, uh, life-changing experience. So I, I hope I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to share the results of that research with the public and make it as open source as possible. So I hope um, I will be a chance to meet with people who are interested on that research and, and share as much as information possible. So to find your work, they also can go to RafikAnadol.com? Yes. yes, exactly. And my email address is there, and I'm very, very uh, digitally social than physical world, so happy to <laughs> reply any any questions and and, and, and feedbacks. Well, let me let me mention one thing to close out. Also, that I had seen that you done, and I did not make it to see it. But you did a project with the city of Los Angeles about water. Oh yes, last summer. Yes. What was it that? Was, so, so it was a very, a very meaningful project. So, as as we know, LA was the winner of a public art um, competition from the Bloomberg Foundation. So, um, this was a result of twenty individual public art experiences using LA. Los Angeles a canvas. So we personally choose First Street Bridge and Canoga Park at the origin of LA River and use LA River as a canvas. And what we did is we collect tons of information from aquifers and hydrologists and we, measure, we got um, almost seven, 80 years long uh, data from the valves of Los Angeles. And we, sh- we showed, we exhibit the change of water historically uh, unfortunately, and 
and, and reflect this back to the society using um, uh, media art. So we project numbers and lines and points onto, onto the LA River and, and, and just try to bring more awareness to why water is so important for LA specifically. And luckily, last couple of weeks, we have a wonderful weather that the rain is now coming back. And, and so flooding our friends in San Diego, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, at, at least the, the drought is getting, uh, getting out of our way. But I think yeah, that was the reason using public space and data and, and to reflect back some important issues about uh, nature. Well, Rafik, I'm extremely happy that you are spending so much fabulous effort looking at unasked questions. So, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today and look forward to seeing your continuing innovations as you Thank forward. you so much. Thank you for inviting for this beautiful event. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that wraps up this podcast. Many thanks to the UCLA Herb Alpert School of Music and the UCLA Center for Music Innovation for being our hosts of this ongoing series. You can subscribe to us in all the usual places, or you can come find us at innovation.schoolofmusic.ucla.edu. Join us again to follow the other adventures that we will be tracking down in Innovating Music. Thanks again. Innovating music. Thanks again. Thanks again. Thanks again. Thanks again. Thanks for listening. You have found one of our adventures now in the Marimel Podcast Network. You can find our shows everywhere that you listen to podcasts. We've got Amplify Music Conversations from the Amplify Music Conferences during the pandemic, Creative Innovators, and now Innovating Music. If you're interested in following up with us in any of these shows, please reach out on our websites and you can find those in the show notes.